everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we wonder why there is no fast day today after 500 days of Yontif, because if I ever needed one, it's now. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m., as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, <clears throat> excuse me, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined by my handy-dandy partner, Avrami. Hey, Avrami, get that mic. How's it going? It's going. Uh, by the way, our listeners should know that you're a little bit cranky today because you're not feeling great. Am I? You, it's <laughs> you are, but that's I okay. hadn't noticed. <laughs> You are a little bit cranky. You already yelled at me that the air conditioner is on too high. It's was it's cold. It's not schmoopy. It's not too cold, but it's okay. But it's okay. But I do I do hope you feel better. How was your yontif? It was nice. It was you know, um, it was a little bit long, but uh, we had good friends over and family, etc. And we danced a lot and we sang and we ate a ton and. Uh, <laughs> and you're looking for a fast day. It was good. <laughs> I could not have been happier to put my kids on the bus yesterday. My kids did not have off for Isruchag. So that bus came at 7.12, and my kids were woken up at 6.45, and they were ornery and cranky as ever, and my husband and I were just clicking our heels and shooing them out the door. It was terrible. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Linda Seamach does. Visit me on my blog at DearThat'sLife.com. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, miriam at deardatslife.com or miriam at nachumsegel.com. I will try and get back to you as soon as possible. Let's go to our favorite segment. I hope it's about weight loss. Today is a little bit about weight loss. You know how many miles I've run? Just <laughs> because I am so, I don't know, I have so much stored energy, shall we say, from all the food that I ate that uh, the least I could do is try and run it off like that. Here we go. Walk. Oh, brother. Walk that straight and narrow path for now. There you go. So let's take care of some business. It is the international. Today is the International Day of the Girl. I don't know what that means. So I went on their website for future clarification, and I still have no clue what it means. There was no explanation. There were just all these pictures of girls. So I guess it is an international day to celebrate girls. So on behalf of girls, we say woohoo. It is also World Sight Day. Uh, which I guess is a plug for Lasix. And tomorrow, it is one of my favorite national holidays. You ready? It is the International Moment of Frustration Scream Day. Meaning, you have that moment, you're at your wit's end, because, hey, it's Erev Shabbos, and we just finished cooking for like 72 years, and we got to make more food. So you can have that moment. You can have that breaking point. And it's the International International Moment of Frustration Scream Day. I think one year... When we were, when Mayor and I were doing this show from YU, I recommended that all the guys in the YU dorm stick their heads out at the same time and just scream in celebration of the day. Um, I didn't stick around to find out if that happened, but I'm pretty sure that if I stuck my head out of the studio window and screamed, Nachum would be nished happy. Anyway, tomorrow is also National Egg Day, and on behalf of all those of us who feel eggs have gotten a bad rap, I say go scramble some, make some, leave in the yolks. Make a quiche. Do something. Embrace the egg. Even put some in your chalent. You know, um, the Sephardi things to put whole eggs in your chalent. My grandparents used oh, really? to do that. Yeah, I do it sometimes. Yeah, I'm telling you, do it for the Shabbos. Embrace the egg. Anyway, check out my blog, especially tomorrow. Funny things happen all the time. Crazy follows me everywhere without exemption. And you can read about it on my blog at DearThat'sLife.com. But first, let me tell you this. My son, my son was having a great time 
the last days of Yuntif because he knew that what? We could cook. So what happens? He declares to my mother, who was over for the last days of Yuntif, um, Monday morning, they all came downstairs, and my and my son looks at him, uh, looks at her, and says, "Bubby, you can make pancakes because you can cook on Yuntif." And she's like, "Okay." Meanwhile, I come downstairs. The place looks like the kids themselves made the pancakes. There's like pancake mix all over the place. There are cracked eggs. He's thrilled. So what does he spend two days doing? He spends two days reading cookbooks. The kid became completely obsessed with reading cookbooks. Now, as a youngster, his um. His, uh, I should say, comfort with some of the terms or some of the words within these recipes was, wasn't was completely there. So, like, for example, instead of canola oil, it was Crayola oil. And he was reading them as if it was completely normal. So it would be like, one cup of Crayola oil. And all of a sudden, in the back of my mind, I'd say, stop. And, he, he, and he'd look at me, and I'd say, not Crayola, canola. And he's like, oh. And then we would go through all this. And then he would say, six cups of salt. No, <laughs> we were like, so we had to adjust all this. But meanwhile, he was having a very good time reading uh, the cookbook. So at one point I said to him, hey, if you could be any vegetable, what would you be? And he looks at me and he says, an onion, <laughs> which was just a otherwise remotely bizarre thing for a six-year-old to say, except for the fact that my son, who was named for my grandfather, is actually, in my belief, a reincarnation of my grandfather. And my grandfather would definitely have said onion. There's not a doubt in my mind. But meanwhile, the kid is six, and he does all these things that are so my grandfather that when he said onion, I just burst out in laughter. And then I looked at him, I said, so if you were a fruit, what would you be? And he looks at me and he says, a lemon or a lime. <laughs> so of course, my daughter comes downstairs. My daughter is his twin. And, sa- and I said to her, hey, what, what vegetable would you be if you, were, if you had to be any vegetable? And she looks at me and she says, corn. Because there's, if there's anything else on the table, all she wants to do is eat corn, which is why when I serve it, I have to bring it last to the table. So it was just like this funny moment where my son decided he needed to be an onion and it reminded me of Shrek with those layers. Remember that? Yeah. Because right, just like a parfait. Exactly. Anyway, uh, you are listening to That's Life live from the home office of the Nachum Siegel Network on the lovely Lower, Lower East Side. I'm Miriam L. Wallach here on the stream at NachumSiegel.com and jamintheam.org. And it's time to welcome my first guest. Yaakov Hawk is joining me. He actually should be in class, but we're going to pretend like it doesn't matter because, you know, you're just back from Yuntif. So, uh, you know, things are just getting up slowly. But Yaakov Hawk is the teenager. We had him on when he was a junior at DRS, but now he is a senior at DRS. And he is slowly but surely changing the world one day at a time with his organization called Philanthropy for the Future. And if you remember from last time, you can get all this information. Um, you can email him, I should say, at info at philanthropyff.org. Yaakov, how are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, an absolute pleasure having you. I'm sorry that I got you out of class. Don't be sorry for that. <laughs> Spoken like a true senior. So the last time we had you on, you were in the middle of a number of different projects. And I know that um, a bunch of our listeners were interested in hearing what you were up to. And I was happy that you reached out to me uh, during Cholmoid, I think it was, to tell me that you had a new, of course you did, you had a new endeavor that was going on. But I also want to make sure that we talk about um, what you had done over the summer. So it seems like you have gotten yourself a bicycle and you're using it to no end. So tell me what you're up to. Tell me what you did this summer and tell me what you're working on now. So this summer, um, I really wanted to go cross country 
bike, biking cross country on a program called Bike for Friendship. Okay. But unfortunately, my parents didn't think it was as good of an idea as I did. So, <laughs> why is that? Still can't figure that one out. Okay. So I called them up and I asked them if they'd be willing to do a teen trip. So we ended up doing a teen trip. I recruited a couple of friends and we did a trip to Washington D.C., which that that week was really one of the most amazing weeks for everybody that was on the trip, and it was really just a great experience for everyone. Was that also a fundraiser? That was a fundraiser for Friendship Circle. I think together the teen trip raised about $9,000 for Friendship Circle. Wow, good for you. So who did you go with, and how did you recruit? So our lead rider was Yitzi Smith. He's a Lubavitch rabbi from Crown Heights, and he actually from from Minnesota. Okay. And he was, he was a lead rider, and I recruited a lot of friends on Facebook, at home, in school, just people that I know that like biking, and we really had a great group of guys and went for a great ride. How far was that ride? You you started in Lawrence? We started in Brooklyn. Okay. And we went down to Washington, D.C. We actually ended at a Starbucks in D.C. That's where I would end also, smart boy. Go on. (laughs) And they actually gave us free drinks. Oh, really? We biked that much. I was about to say that's the only thing you can do to get a free drink at Starbucks is actually bike there. Um, But what's it called? All right, so backtrack a second. So you were raising money for the Friendship Circle, and how many people were, were, how many people rode with you? So we had five riders, and then we had a sixth rider join us on the second to last day of the ride because he wasn't able to ride for the first three days. So it was a nice group. And then we had our truck driver, Zalman, who was one of the nicest, one of the nicest people we've ever met. He volunteered his time to drive the truck and take care of us and help us and get us stuff whenever our bikes broke or we wanted some other food other than what we had. And also our lead rider, Yitzi. So tell me, uh, because I've never done something like this, and I have to imagine many of our listeners are, have, have not done something like this. Tell me how this works. Do you really bike the whole way down to D.C.? Yeah, you just keep going. Honestly, by the I, night, I can't even I can't even imagine. But, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. Sometimes at night I would just close my eyes and all I would see is roads because <laughs> you're just on the highway for six, seven hours a day just oh. riding, riding, riding. Oh, my gosh. That sounds, that sounds unbelievable. How much training did you do for that? Um, I've got to say, since I was in camp the whole summer, I had only rode about 70 miles on that bike before the ride, my new road bike. So I didn't do nearly as much training as I should have. But I hope this summer I'll go cross-country, and I started training already for that. And who are you going to go cross-training, cross-country with? With Bike for Friendship again, because they're the only Shomer Shabbos uh, kosher group that does it. And I'm trying to get a couple of my friends to do this one, too. Wow. And your parents are okay with this one? I think this year they're okay with it. <laughs> parents. What makes this year different than last year? I'm older, more mature. <laughs> it's only been a couple of months, but I won't tell anybody. So tell me what you're working on now, because this is how we got in touch in the first place. Tell me what you're working on now, because you got another bike trip going on. So right now I'm putting together a bike tour for Must Be a Soup Kitchens. Mm-hmm. Because right now, as... They've been having really terrible times financially, and they really need money, and it's a really raise money for them. And This is not the first fundraiser you've done for them. This isn't the first. I, this is the first fundraiser I've done for them, but this isn't the first program I've done for them. But I really feel like this is a great opportunity for everyone. It, we've, so far, we have about 50 riders signed up. Our goal is to raise $10,000. I really think this is going to be very successful for them. 
And any listeners that would like to join, feel free to please sign up, join, donate. We'd love to have you. What website do people go to or how do they find information? To find information, you could go to crowdrise.com backslash must be a bike tour. Was spell, spell the URL for me again. C-R-O-W-R-I-S-E.com okay. backslash M-A-S-B-I-A-B-I-K-E-T-O-U-R. I feel like I'm on a spelling bee right now. I was about to say, I was about to say you are correct. Um, you know what, Yaakov, actually you should send me that link and I'll post it on my Facebook page and this way our listeners, when they're interested... Um, and hopefully they will be interested. They can link on, they can click on that from my Facebook page and um, and get a direct get a direct link from there. So tell me what you, how how long is this ride? So we actually have three rides to suit everybody's uh, cycling ability. We have a 42 mile ride, a 25 mile ride, and a 10 mile ride. Really, because we would just want everybody to be able to be part of this. Is really something for the community. Is there a ride around the block? Because that's basically what I could do. Well, a 10 mile ride really, you might. It sounds a lot. A lot longer than it actually is. Yeah, because it sounds pretty long. Yeah, but how long do you think that that something like that takes? Um, most people could do it in about an hour. Slower riders, maybe an hour and fifteen minutes. I really think this ten-mile ride, almost anybody could do. Is there a maximum number of people who can be involved in each ride? Well, technically, there is a maximum amount that could be involved in each ride. Okay. Right now, I think we're we're able to take about 150 per ride. So. Everybody could sign up. If every listener signed up, we'll just get more volunteers to hold you guys. That's that's fantastic. What is it about Muspia that made you come back to them? Because, again, this is not your first event for them. You did the, if I'm not mistaken, you did the Hanukkah party last year, correct? Correct, yeah. And I also did a volunteering on Thanksgiving, which all your listeners also, if they're interested, you can come by Muspia on Thanksgiving at 930 and the Muspia on Coney Island Avenue. There's going to be a lot of volunteers there peeling vegetables, and preparing food, and it really helps a lot of people. And last year we made almost 2,000 meals. Wow. That's, that's incredible. But tell me what it is about Muspia that speaks to you, because it's one thing to, and, you know, especially somebody your age can not necessarily feel a loyalty towards one charity that makes them keep going back. But this is your third event for them. So what is it about Muspia that speaks to you? So what I really like about Muspia is one of, one of their main things is a lot of what they do is they do they do they do their work on very little margins. They don't re- they're not really profitable. They don't make that much money, and they just do an amaz- amazing work. When you go there and you just see the smile on somebody's face after they get the f- their food or their Shabbos package, or just anything that Muspia does, it's just incredible. And especially they do it on like one of the lowest payrolls of any organization that is able to feed that many people. It's just amazing the work they do, and everybody there is just are just the most dedicated people there are. So you also have you, a you also have a personal connection with somebody there, right? I don't. I would. Yeah. So after working with Alexander Appleport, he's the executive director there. We just we just developed a really good relationship, and he's very easy to work with, very nice, and always looking to work with people and get things done. And I really like that because some other organizations sometimes it's a lot harder and more bureaucratic. For with Must Be, it's a lot easier to work with them and actually just get things done and just move into things. Now, I, I, Yaakov, I just want to make sure that people know that you, as a 17-year-old, have done a number, a number of, of many different programs, fundraisers, etc., since you were 14, correct? Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's incredibly impressive. Tell me what your plans are for next year. Um, for next year, I'm planning on going to Yeshiva in Israel. Okay. 
I have no idea where I want to go yet, figuring <laughs> that out. But I'm, one of the main things is I'm looking for a yeshiva that I'm going to get a lot out of, a lot of like Judaically and learning and just grow as a person, but also still have the opportunity to do programs and run programming and make an impact in Israel because that's our land. And we shouldn't just be going there to visit and tour. We should be going there to help out our land and make it better. That's that's incredible. I I, I applaud. You know, un- unfortunately, um, as you and I have discussed, and I think that is a constant topic for adults, is that constantly we have kids who are so sedentary and so um, uh, egocentric, especially the classic teenager, that they can't see beyond their own Dalit almost. They can't see beyond their own front door. But for you to constantly be able to make these lifelong decisions and these and these decisions about, you know, your next move in your life based upon what you feel is, is your calling is really quite commendable. I mean, call like a vote to you. Where do you think about in terms of college? I'll know in a couple months. Mm, so then we will look forward to having you back on in a couple of months. Um, again, um, I ask our listeners to check my Facebook page. We'll have the uh, Ride from Us Be information on my Facebook page, uh, hopefully by the time the show is over. Uh, and Yaakov, thank you as always for joining me. Anybody who wants further information about anything that Yaakov does, they can email him at info at philanthropyff.org. That's Yaakov Hawk. Yaakov, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. Take care. You are listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach here on the Lower East Side, joined by Avrami, and excited to introduce my next guest, who is a first time with us here on the air. Jason Cohn is somebody I got to know just a few months ago, but most recently has made food, has cooked for me and cooked with me in my house. But Jason has an incredible story. Jason, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I am great. Jason is a classically trained chef who is a graduate of Johnson Wales, and he is located in Baltimore. No shout out from Avrami. Avrami, woohoo! Jason, anyway, I'm with you. So Jason Cohn is a tra- is a classically trained chef who's a graduate of Johnson Wales. And Jason and I met this summer on Birthright. And actually, as a result of his Birthright trip, Jason has a phenomenal story. Jason, I'm so happy to have you on. I wonder if you would tell our listeners a little bit about, wh- about what Birthright did for you, how it changed your life, and the decisions you've decided to make. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for those of you who don't know, it's a 10-day trip, and they take you... Pretty much all around Israel, you go to Tzvat, the Holy City, you go to Jerusalem and do the Wailing Wall and the Dead Sea, they take you to the beach in Tel Aviv and through the cities, and it was a little different, the trip for me, because it wasn't just like a vacation. I really like felt like they wanted me to be there, as opposed to I just wanted to be there. So I thought, you know, there's no reason to only, you know, spend 10 days in a place that I love that much. So right now I'm doing everything I can to move over there and kind of start my new life there. That's incredible. And you've contacted Nefesh Benefesh already and have started with their process, right? I have. I've begun the application and it takes about six to eight weeks. So when I'm, you know, fully ready, that's when I'll, you know, send the last, you know, step of the application and that's uh, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. You know, it's um, while we, we yeah, I mean, because while we encourage and while we hope that numerous different birth writers, as we call them, will extend their trips. It's um, 
not necessarily typical, shall we say, for people to decide to make Aliyah specifically as a result of their birthright trip. But it's not so, you know, amazing. You are the ultimate success story. But um, even more than that, you have, as a result of the trip, started cooking kosher so that when you move to Israel, um, you are familiar with kosher cooking and therefore can add your element to society when you get there. Absolutely. And most recently, actually, you were um, you and a number of the great members of our mishpacha from our trip joined um, me in my house on Sunday for Canadian Thanksgiving, and you prepped all of these meals in my kitchen. How how did it feel to really cook kosher in a kosher kitchen? Uh, it felt great, you know, with your help, of course, you know, and that kitchen was uh, probably the nicest kitchen I'll ever cook in. <laughs> Thank you, though you do work in a restaurant, so, uh, you know, we're not... <laughs> I know, that's why the statement's so amazing, because <laughs> it's still the nicest kitchen. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. And tell, uh, tell your listener, uh, tell our listeners, I should say, by the way, that the recipes um, that you prepared for us on Sunday um, are, gonna be able to found, uh, are going to be able to be accessible to them as well. Tell them how, how that's going to be. Yeah, they're going to be featured in the Bidayavon magazine in the November issue. So the recipes are a little bit uh, holiday-themed, and they focus on, like, fall flavors. And they're very straightforward recipes, but they use ingredients that you've probably heard of but never, like, sought to use in the preparations that I have them in. And, of course, they are all kosher. What about, um, what, how did it feel, by the way, when you connected with Bidayavon magazine to um, have all of these recipes that you have classically trained in a uh, classically prepared I should say in a non-kosher fashion to all of a sudden make them kosher and have them available this way yeah it felt great anytime I can you know take something that I'm familiar with and just change it up a little bit to make more people comfortable with it is a great feeling and what did it feel like to, you know, have us all around the table on Sunday? I mean, I will tell you that when you guys left on Sunday, um, that moment of everyone leaving my house, but me having just been at the table with these people who I spent 10 days with and now consider family at a table with my actual family and my husband and my kids, I got very emotional. Oh, yeah, I know. It brings a tear to my eye as well. Especially, especially when, you know, we just looked down that table and I, you know, I looked to you and I was like, we spent 10 days. Right. And, you know, it's, it's easy to have an amazing time in Israel, you know, but we're not in Israel anymore and we're still, we still have that same camaraderie that we had there. Right. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Jason, in general, how difficult is it for somebody to take a, a, a recipe that, would, that has non-kosher elements or ingredients in it or has combinations of ingredients that therefore render the recipe non-kosher and make it kosher? Um, it can be pretty difficult just, you know, through the cross-contamination of things, you know, with separating courses and, you know, of course, being classically trained, you know, they do encourage you to use a lot of butter. So, you know, that, <laughs> that is the big one that most people know of. Um, but it's an extra challenge, you know. You find yourself, you know, learning through the process by, you know, maybe a recipe that would call for butter, you just use like an aged olive oil to get that same effect. And there's so many ways around it. Sometimes it turns out a lot better, and most of the time, you know, no one can even tell. And what did you um, include, just so that our readers get 
our listeners, I should say, who are going to be your readers in November, get a little taste of what your what your um, your featured column is going to be like in that November issue of Batea Mon magazine. What did you t- what did you highlight in terms of what people got to know about you yourself and your background? Um, I focused um, for the most part on my career and how that began and how I kind of had a interest in food that began when I was in high school and I did these culinary competitions and that allowed me to travel throughout the country and it actually brought me to Charlotte, North Carolina where I went to Johnson & Wales and since I won one of the big competitions, I got you know a large scholarship to that school so I knew that's where I was going to go and that was an up and coming you know, town as far as the food scene went so I was able to work in a lot of you know, new restaurants that opened up there. There was a Wolfgang Puck restaurant. There was, you know, all these new modern restaurants. And I just continued to kind of work, you know, for about six months in each of them and learn as much as I could. And then I also focused on, you know, how all that training combined with my experience in Israel kind of led me to my next step, where to take the next challenge, not just the new restaurant, but completely a new way of cooking in a new country. Yeah, that is um, that that is incredible. I didn't know all that background. You know, you and I connected very quickly because one of the things I had said to you um, was that I was a foodie. And so all of a sudden, you know, we had a language where we were talking <laughs> where we were talking to each other and it didn't really matter that not everyone was following because you and I were speaking the same language, which was um, which was a lot of fun. But then cooking with you in my kitchen was great, and you had made a comment about the fact that being a being a Jewish mother was the best culinary training available. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke around about that with all my friends. They say, "So, where did you learn the most? What restaurant? You know, what chef at school?" And I always say, "Oh, no, it was my grandmother." You know, <laughs> anytime I went over her house, you know, there wasn't five minutes before there's a big old locks in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your favorite comfort food? It would have to be macaroni and cheese. Really? You know, it's fun- yeah. it's funny because one of the dishes that you made on Sunday was, and we can give everybody a hint because uh, they'll they'll be able to read about it next month, was this um, pasta with a butternut squash and sage sauce, which was ridiculous. And I have to tell you that <laughs> we, I mean, by the time... By the time Sunday night was over, there was no pasta left. It was gone. I served. <laughs> I served it again Sunday night. Glad to hear that. Yeah, it was. It was incredible. It was really incredible, and my kids were all excited. They're like, "Oh, mac and cheese!" I'm like, "No," and right. they, and they and they looked at it, and they were all totally psyched. I'm like, "Just taste it." And when my son says to me, he says, "It's not mac and cheese." I'm like, "It's so far from mac and cheese." And then he realized that there was chicken on the table, so clearly it wasn't mac and cheese. And <laughs> and he says to me, he "Goes, I don't want it." And I said. It has butternut squash in it. And he goes, now I really don't want it. I said, just taste it. And he tasted one noodle. And he's like, this is really good. <laughs> said, yeah. I know. So we all of a sudden, like, literally by Sunday night, it was completely, completely gone. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it was fantastic. I'm going to ask you, we got like a minute, a minute left. But just tell me something. How, how, much, um, how much harder is it to cook kosher than it is to cook non-kosher? Um, it wasn't too difficult, you know, as far as cooking in your home went, but I can see, you know, that there would be a lot of constraints just because you can't combine things that are so typical. 
And what about the um, the different the different sets of knives, the different sets of this, the different sets of that? I mean, you and I had a conversation once about you know how restaurants work, etc. And I made it clear, like if it's a dairy restaurant, it's only serving dairy. There aren't two sets of dishes. There aren't two sets of silverware. There's right. just there's just one thing going on there. Exactly. Yeah, with the the three sets, one for dairy, meat, and parts. So. Right. Right. Yeah, there you go, Parv. There's a new word in your vocabulary you didn't have a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> the no man's land. <laughs> exactly. That's how I described it as no man's land. Anyway, J- <laughs> Jason Cohn, I thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you. Uh, an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to seeing the featured column in next month's Patea Vone, and I'm sure that Schiffer Klein will be on with us next month to talk about it. We'll hear more about your story, and I hope you'll check in with us. I definitely will. Thank you again. Pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me. Take care. You are listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel stream. I am Miriam L. Wallach. My third guest, Naomi Nachman, the Aussie Gourmet, or the Aussie. Aussie. The Aussie Gourmet, who has, who has joined us before. And the reason, Naomi, I asked you to come on today is simply because I don't want to look at another bit of food me for the either. rest of my life. And we have to cook because it's Shabbos tomorrow night. And it's almost like a crazy joke. And I've decided, I, Rami and I were talking about this before we went on the air. I decided that a three-day yuntif would be easier than two days on, one day off, Great. one day on for Shabbos, right? Great. We have that next year. Next year will be a three-day on so again, but that's okay because, you know, this this has been very hard, and you know we're just recovering from Yontif, and I didn't we're doing know. our Shabbos shopping already. I can't even I can't even wrap my head around it, but I never realized I would ever look forward to a three-day Yontif. <laughs> I know, right? It's all a matter of perspective. I'm exhausted, and I love to cook. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm ex- you know, I'm a big foodie. I, I, I love I love cooking. I'm always looking forward to the next time I get to, to cook something interesting and new for Shabbos. But I'm really tired. Yeah, I don't want to. I, <laughs> seriously. I, I don't even want to. Like the fact that by by the last day of Yontif, I looked at my fridge and it was half empty. And all the stuff that I had bought for prepping and for this and for that was like done and over. And we had eaten it. I was like, nice. There's the back of my fridge. I was so excited. <laughs> hasn't so, been like that for a month. It has not been like that in forever. And actually, once the was over, Stephen looked at me and said, you know, I'm not going supermarket, supermarket shopping for you for like 100 years now. <laughs> I said, I know, I know, I know. I had decided that at the Young Israel of Woodmere, it would be really appropriate if during this kind of crazy Yontif season, Shabbos um, announcements during shul included what time Gourmet Glot opened on Monday Shabbos. Uh, that would be very know, funny. Right? They do send out a lot of emails, they, they which is do. great. I I was there this morning because early because I knew I could get out early right. to go do a little bit of shopping there, and they were fully stocked, which was really nice. I, I thought you know maybe the fruit, uh, produce would be a little bit low, but it was full, ready to be because picked. it's Shabbos tomorrow. I know. I, <laughs> Can't. I know. I feel like I'm such a fetch because I usually look forward to shops. And Rami's like, yes, I'm the one with the cold and you've been ragging on me, but you're the one who's fetching. But how happy were you yesterday to put those kids on a bus? Yeah, I know. It was great. <laughs> I did that. I did that mummy dance. I'm really sorry. I'm glad they're not listening right now. No, they're um, not listening. No, they're, you know, they're, my big kids are, they have a later start. Okay. Um, but my little one, she like was very happy to get on that bus and go to school. I've entertained her very nicely for the last 10 days. And mm-hmm. she was kept on asking me when school's starting. And she got up and she bounced on that bus. Um, but, it's you know, I did that mummy dance. We're like, goodbye bus. Right. Exactly. I slammed the door behind them. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> you know, you dance up and down. I'm grab telling a cup you. cup of coffee. We were this close to singing. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We were just, <laughs> which is horrible. But it's, I mean, it was enough. Like everyone just needs to get, and I was looking forward to getting back to work. I really, I was so happy to get on the train yesterday. It's just about getting back into routine. So as much as Shabbos being tomorrow 
I could have used an extra day off. The truth of the matter is, is that Shabbos being tomorrow, we're back, like we're back on schedule. Yeah, I, I like schedules. Routine is a wonderful yes. thing, especially with kids. Agreed. Routine is a wonderful thing. So tell me, for the person who does not want to cook to the person who does not want to cook and does not want to look at food, what in the world are we making? For Shabbos? Yes, because... Already? Okay. Well, also, by the way, I mean, for those... I think we should, like, look at two aspects. A, what are we making for Shabbos when nobody wants to cook? Um, of course, there's always the, the takeout option, but for takeout... Yeah, Avrami's like, we're making challenge, yeah. buddy. And we've yeah. already decided yeah. because it's National Egg Day, we're putting... Is it? It's... Really? Ooh. Oh, that's a oh, long I'm sorry. Time. I know. My family gets very disappointed there's no challenge on Shabbos. I made challenge for the first night of Yontif. I decided... Oh, really? Yeah, I really did. I put it up the day before. It's called bean stew when it's not Shabbos. <laughs> okay, know... when it's not Shabbos, challenge is bean stew. <laughs> I decided... What are these Israelis called? Chamin? The Chamin is Sephardi challenge. Right. So I had decided that I was going to make it for the first night of Yontif because I didn't know what the weather was going to be. and a bad idea. Yeah, so I just did it. And, like, I don't know. Everybody looked at me like crazy. Like, you, what, why is there chillin'? This made absolutely no sense. And I said, you know what? There are plenty of people who eat chillin' Friday night. Let's yeah, just get chilly, it over. Chilly, chilly, right? Yeah, it, well, it wasn't. The first days of Yontif wasn't chilly at all. Did you know that it rained in chilly Israel? The first the food. Oh. Chilly the food. Oh, the spicy the food. bean oh, okay. hot food. Yes, but let's go back to the weather. Now we're not. <laughs> now we're actually speaking the same language. <laughs> Sometimes you speak Australian. Yes. <laughs> Speak Australian. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we have to focus. So what are we making for Shabbos and what are we doing with our leftovers? Okay, so let's focus quickly first on Shabbos. Okay. I think we're a little sick of kugels right now. We're sick of everything. Heavy food. I'm a big fan of grilled vegetables. Okay, and by the way, I'm making no more cabbage right now. No more cabbage. No. And you know what I call the new potato? Cauliflower. Cauliflower is my new love. My dad hated it growing up. Really? When I was growing up. We never ate cauliflower. I just take some cauliflower, like rather than roasting potatoes as a side dish, which is full of carbs. I mean, I love potatoes. Don't get me wrong. I have a cookbook just on potatoes. Nice. Yeah, I got it. I picked it up in Australia about ten years ago, and every once in a while, I'll find a new potato recipe if that can be done at this point. But, right. Um, I found that cauliflower is my low carb or no carb potato. Right. I do the same thing as I would with a roasted potato. Is you know I clean it up, um, I soak it, make sure that's no bugs. Or if I want to cheat, I buy the bodek, um, bodek, <laughs> um, florets, and just olive, fresh extra virgin olive oil, um, fresh garlic, salt, and then whatever spices you like. If you like it with a little bit of curry, a little bit of cumin, or you could do thyme and basil. You know you have the herby right. or they have the spicy, um, and then just roast it at four hundred till it's soft. It'll Look a little burnt, but it's really just tinged crispy. You know, when it has nice. a crispy, burnty look, then you know it's done. You can stick your fork through. I do a lot of that instead of the potatoes. And I think I'm going to do that in, on Friday night instead of roasted potatoes. Susie Fishbein actually has a faux potato kugel recipe. That's With cauliflower? Uh-huh. Really? It's in the Which healthy... One? one second. got to pull it up on Is Facebook. Is that in her healthy one? Yeah. It's in the healthy one. Isn't that, oh, I have to take a look at that. 20-something healthy something. Oh, no, no, no. That's two different ones. No, it's in the healthy one. I okay, know it's, I've yeah. got it. Got them all. Love right, Susie. exactly. I was about to say thank you, Susie. Um, oh, I didn't know there was a kugel for it. Yes, there is a faux, there's a faux potato kugel. Um, and how do I know this? Because my son spent 48 hours over the last days of Yentif just reading recipes out loud over and Very over and over cute. again. I, I like that. Yes. I'm so proud of him. Anyway, all right. Let's get back to cauliflower. We could- besides the cauliflower, I'll do asparagus, um, portobello mushrooms, um, peppers. You can roast eggplant. Um, and any vegetable that you like, maybe not celery, but 
You can roast. Even roasted onions isn't bad. Roasted onions are great. It's delicious and it makes a nice topping to, you know, any kind of dish that you're serving. Just throw on some roasted onions. You know what's fun about the roasted vegetables is that they can then morph themselves into something else. So you could toss it with pasta and like a prepared pesto the next day and you have a new dish. Or in a sandwich. Right. So that's what, you know, that leads us maybe into our leftovers. You know, we've done our side dishes for Shabbos, which is quick and easy to prepare. Right. Um, no more kugels, no more mixing, no more sugar, no more oil. No, you know, we don't no need that. Nothing. So we're just going to take our fresh vegetables. I'm so our miserable. Vegetables. <laughs> Do you hear how ris- miserable I am? I just, I promise, like, yeah, I feel my pain. I've been we- miserable the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't feel well. I'm giving him a oh, hard time. Oh, We need some chicken soup. Yeah. I've got some. I made I don't a even heap. want to make chicken soup. I made soup. a heap on chalamoid. And I put it in the freezer. You're the only person who could say I made a heap of chicken soup and actually make it sound good. You know what I make with cauliflower, by the way? Cauliflower and leeks and broth. I cook it and then I puree it. It is the best soup ever. Yeah, I, co- I call that my potato, uh, low-carb potato leek soup. I do put in one potato just to give it a bit of thickener. And I don't even bother. Is, does it end up nice and thick nice without and the thick. potato? Yeah, I'm, because I'm I just lower the broth. If you okay, s- you just simmer it and simmer it and simmer it. To, exactly, to but nice also because you add, like to me, I add the broth the same way I add flour to when I'm making challah. As needed. Okay. So once, so if I have to thin the soup after I've pureed it, I'll do it then. Okay. But I, you know, this way I can control the thickness of the soup. No, very nice. That's a nice trip. I want to try also um, instead of mashed potatoes, mashed cauliflower. Right. Like all these things I'm going to do with cauliflower. That was a big Atkins trick. When was At- it? Yes. When Atkins was like crazy, people were constantly doing anything they with, could with cauliflower. With cauliflower. So yep. that's my now this cauliflower pizza. What? Yeah. What, I don't know what that means. Melinda Strauss, she has a blog. Right. Um, the name eludes me. I'm sorry, Melinda. I will Google um, her. Yes. She has a blog and she did a cauliflower pizza. The base of the pizza is cauliflower. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's no carb, low carb, low fat. Yeah. Um, kitchen tested is her I just was blog. about to say kitchen yeah. tested. Hi, so she, I'm Melinda. Yeah, go on. And she has a cauliflower <laughs> dough. It's very popular. I've seen it on other blogs as well, but she bought it to the kosher blog. Really? Yeah. So, so um, I don't even understand how that works. I don't know either. I haven't made it yet, but I'm going to make it because we're supposed to be on a big diet. Uh, Husband has high cholesterol. We've got to bring it down. So, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables. So, can I just take the yes, idea of these I'm grilled sorry. vegetables? I'm, no, into with, so with all this. And I'm going to bring it into a wrap. This is okay. what he's having for lunch today. Hopefully, he'll send me that text mm. that lunch was good. I know. I, I love took, that he does that. I took all my leftover vegetables from Yontif. Often I'll prepare like a little snack bag okay. for him of the leftover grilled vegetables. This time I thought I'm going to take one of the wraps. I had one in the freezer. I know he hates when I freeze the, the those uh, roll-ups. Oh. They, they freeze really well and they defrost really fast. Why does he have a problem with it? Oh, you know, frozen bread. I know oh. some people are a bit picky like that. Okay. I also am. I like fresh, fresh well, bread. Well, but you can't always have it. Yeah, so right after Yontif, he wasn't going to get it. Right. So I, I, um, I froze it fresh when I bought it um, on Sunday and I – this, uh, this morning I took it out of the freezer. I put a little pesto sauce, mm. just maybe not even a tablespoon, and I took all the grilled vegetables. I rolled it up, cut it in half, roasted vegetable wrap. Nice. You know, if you want, you can add a little feta cheese into that. I was just about that. to say, put some feta in feta, there and feta call that. it a day. Yeah, it depends if you've made them flashy because, right. you know, sometimes I um, make them flashy. Um, depends what I've cooked in there right beforehand. Bless my grill pan. I love my power of grill pan. I do... You do grilled vegetables in a grill pan? Sure. I got a big so grill pan. I also have a grill. Uh, I love my grill pan. Over two over two burners. It's like a grill doohickey. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I used to have one of those. When when my daughter left to seminary, right before she left at, for SKA last year, I gave a cooking class to the girls going off to seminary. Oh, that was cute. With a grill pan, five recipes to do in one grill pan. We nice. did quesadillas. We did a grilled fish. We did, you know, omelets, a stir fry, and that's another great 
um, leftover thing to do with um, leftovers for Yontif. You know what I also made for my kids, by the way, since we were reading all these cookbooks, all Yontif, speaking of... <laughs> speaking, I'm hungry right now. The whole thing was ridiculous, I'm telling you. But I anyway, for two days and I'm starving I right know, now. I'm tell- all I need is a fast. I need a good fast day. Um, my kids decided on breakfast burritos, which is another Susie. Oh, so yeah. basically I was making scrambled eggs and putting cheddar cheese and salsa and putting it in a wrap and they were thrilled. On Yontif? Yeah. No, yeah, Yontif are oh, very nice. Yeah. So kids. like I was making it for lunch, I was making it for dinner, I was making it, you name it. So before the kids got on the bus yesterday, my son reading the cookbooks, I came to everyone's bleary eyed because we woke them up at 6.45 to get on the bus. <laughs> yeah. And they're not happy because Yontif was the night before and they're used to getting up at 8 Set of 6.45. So they're all in bad moods. My son comes bounding down the steps and he goes, can I have a breakfast burrito? <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't think so, honey. I said, seriously? He's like, he said to me, he goes, I have enough time. Meaning like he was going to have enough time to finish his whole breakfast burrito. And I said, okay. I mean, how? You like, really made it? Yeah, because I'm, I'm going so to fight with my kid and get, getting cheese and carb and protein in I know, it's body. a great breakfast. That's yeah, great. Uh, as, I, a, as opposed to a waffle? I mean, I, I, I yeah, no, you're right. It's yeah. great if you you have to give yourself that little bit of time. Right, you can maybe even prep some of the stuff the night before. Well, the sauce is prepared, and the I mean, I can't make scrambled eggs the day before. Right. I mean, I'm, what else do you need? So maybe sauté vegetables. You could sauté that. Up yeah, the night and before. I just slice the cheese before. But then I was like, then that was Takes it. Two seconds, he, I guess. He Yum. was so happy. I would like that with some guacamole inside. I would just like that. Period. I want somebody <laughs> to cook for me for Shabbos. Okay, I'm available. <laughs> I was about really? to say I am available I was if anybody to... <laughs> wants. I will cook a delicious, fresh, healthy Shabbos meal for them. Of course, this is Naomi who said at the beginning of the interview that she's so sick of food. Also, she doesn't want to cook. It's my business. It's my pleasure. You should know, by the way, that something else I realized that we didn't mention <laughs> is that we were talking about using leftovers and we're talking about all the things that we can do about preparing for Shabbos. We didn't mention the fact that you could just cook for them. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. Okay, right. Of course. No, but that's not so economical. If you want, I'm I'm ready. But otherwise, you know, use what you've got. Um, right. you know, last night was the first night, first dinner that the kids had to come home to after school, and right. I tried to make them something that was, you know, didn't look like leftovers. I made a stir fry. I took oh, a ton smart. of leftover chicken and I shredded it into um some sautéed onions and mushrooms and zucchinis, whatever I had in the fridge. Right. Um. And then a little soy sauce, a little garlic, a little bit of ginger. That was really delicious. Um, and then also I wanted to take some soup, make some soup. Nice. So I made a vegetable soup and I, I really had a lot of chicken. We really didn't do a lot of eating. Um, but I did shred some of that chicken into the soup, so into the vegetable soup. So all my leftover vegetables went good either move. into a soup or into stir fry. I made a side of brown rice to go with that and everyone was really happy. So it was good. They did not know it was leftover oh. chicken. That's the beauty of it. Because it. it looks totally different. Right. It, it's, you know, it's nice when you can give them a fresh meal every night. It's nice to, when you can give them a fresh meal when they don't know the chickens from the day or two before. Right. Um, just another word about leftovers. When I was reading up online to preparing for t- talking to you about our leftovers, I just want to get some facts about how long leftovers should be oh, in the fridge. Oh, good idea. You know, so I thought that that was really interesting. Chicken should not be in the fridge. Cooked, once you've cooked it, four more days. If you made on Friday... By Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. Tuesday. Let's give it let's give it Monday night. Anything right. from Monday night. You can serve leftovers Sunday night, Monday night from Shabbos, especially if you've cooked the Friday, but after that you really shouldn't keep it. You should make sure that the meat or the chicken is cooked to a hundred minimum of especially with chicken, hundred and sixty five right. degrees internally. Um, you don't want to give your family so salmonella. Tr- 
No, that, that's, <laughs> that, that defeats the purpose of getting them on the bus in the morning. Um, <laughs> what about, okay, so that's true about poultry in general. And what right. about meat? How long can we keep meat in the oven? Meat, in the I think, will last a little bit longer, so long as it's reached a minimum of 135 degrees internally when you've cooked it, okay. when you first cook it. That's how I like it. That's medium rare. Um, but when you've reheated it a few times, it gets you know more and more well done. But you should try to make sure that's warmed through properly. Also, soup must come to a rolling boil. Mm. So when you've, especially reheating chicken soup, it must come to a rolling boil. You know, that's people also don't realize that there's plenty to do with uh, Chinese takeout rice that you get in droves, and then oh. ha- then like you know sitting on your counter, and you're like, what am I going to do with this now? But there's plenty to do with it a day after. The best, the best fried rice comes from day old rice. Oh, really? Yes. I'm not a big rice person. Really? Yeah, it's, I know. It's, people look at me like, why? Potatoes, why? man. I told you. Uh, potatoes. Is that like an awesome thing? cauliflower. No, a- no, no. It's totally Naomi Nachman thing. Really? Yeah, people think I'm crazy. What do you mean you don't eat rice? I eat I rice love- noodles, though. I no. love rice noodles. Eh. No, not the same thing. I know, I know. I know. It's weird. No, rice, using, using day-old rice to make stir-fried rice is great yeah. because the starch has basically like dried up, so to speak. So it's not sticky. So you get these individual kernels. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you get these individual pieces. Maybe I of would rice. try that. I would definitely try it. I just I love rice. I know, I know. Especially what do you do with your meatballs? Meat. A spaghetti. When you, I got a Friday night, I never serve meat as an appetizer because you're going to eat meat later. It's fish and then soup and then an appetizer. You don't want to do meat and meat. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> I never make meatballs on a Friday. Are you Eastern European? Because we do meat, meat, and more meat. Nah. I am Eastern European, <laughs> but but you know I think I don't, I don't know. It's you guys went to, I said I was about to say you guys went down south and that was the end of it. Yeah, um, herring, herring Friday night. Come on, shikala herring. That was the appetizer. Or my kids are fish. crazy about herring. I love herring. My first mm. graders are crazy about herring. Well, my four year old loves it with herring with a bit of onion with on a tomato with a tomato and a cracker. So good. Could you just say cracker again? Because that was fun. <laughs> wait, wait. You ready for this cracker? Nice. Yeah, I, I can't you know, do. You were doing so sentence. well. 20 and a half years in this country. Almost 20. Wait a minute. Years. Are you the one who's taking her citizenship test? I, I did it. And? I passed. It was last year. I became oh. a citizen last June. I, I'm very excited to vote in this election. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I know. I, you should have seen me the first time I was. I went to the fire station in the five towns to right. vote. I was taking pictures I put on Facebook first time voting. I was Good so excited. You. The people that worked there looked at me like I was no. a nut job. But I'm like... This is my privilege. I've waited Absolutely. a long time for this. And, you know, as a Jewish woman, we should be voting. Doesn't it make you crazy then all those people who don't bother to vote? And I use the word bother because they look at it as a bother. I know. Then they can't complain about the government. That's right. Don't complain. Yeah. Don't complain. If you don't, if you don't, like, don't have a voice, don't complain. That's right. If you don't want to be a part of it, you don't want to be a part of the solution. Do you want to do something crazy? Silence in Australia, yourself. Yeah. you have to vote. What do you mean you have, you to, have vote? to vote? You get fined if you don't vote. Seriously? I kid you not. I know it's against your constitutional right not to vote, <laughs> but in Australia, you vote. I voted here for a long time at the Australian consulate while I was still considered a resident there. If you're a resident of Australia and you live in Australia, you vote. Wait a minute. Do you have to, did you have to denounce, renounce? I don't even no, know. I did not have to. No. So no. you have dual citizenship? I'm a dual citizen. I did not have to give up my Australian passport, but I had to um, affirm that I was going to be, um, America would be my. Um, you know, uh, primary love. Um, of course, I was saying in my head, Hashem, it's really Israel. It's really Israel. Because right. <laughs> I felt a bit guilty, but you know. Right. So basically when you go to vote, your 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 um, level of importance in terms of issues is that it's Israel 
issues here in the States and then issues in Australia. That I, don't, I, I, I don't care what goes on. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a New Yorker in my heart. I know I don't sound like it, but I'm a New Yorker through and through. Well, the way you said cracker before. Cracker. Cracker. I know, right. but it hurts when I say cracker. Cracker sounds much more. You know what word annoys me when people mispronounce it? Drawer. Drawer. Right, exactly. See, but then you're just saying that as an Australian. But people near us on Long Island who say, oh, it's in the top drawer. No. There's an, right, drawer. There's drawer. an E-R at the end. Drawer. 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 It's in the drawer. Yeah, yeah. But hey, a rummy next to you is a drawer. Yeah, but I can get away with it because yes, I've got Yes, you can accent. because, right, because okay, you make it The cool. only word my husband hates when I say is garage. Oh. He said that annoys I have to call it garage. Right, I, I will, I'll say garage, like with my own accent. But he hates when I, we Australians say garage. Yeah, I will have He's to. Like, that's weird. Yeah, I would have to. I would have to go with you. All right, what are the recipes you have in front of you? Because everybody's giving me the signal that we're running out of oh, time. Oh gosh. Okay. So um, we did. We touched on stir fries. Right. That's stir by the way, fries. really, really smart. Okay. You know what a really favorite in my family is pulled chicken. Oh. Okay. Have you ever had? It's now closed down, but the Clubhouse Cafe, which is part of La Marais. I love that. I know. I was very upset. That's mojitos. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, she likes to drink. <laughs> okay, She's okay, part right. Australian. So you shred up your chicken. You add in. You might be a, part Australian. Yeah. yeah, you might be. I might be. Um, you add in, a, a, you know, some barbecue sauce to taste mm-hmm. and that just let it simmer in the pan till it just braises away the chicken with a barbecue sauce. And that is a great, you can have that with on sliced roasted potatoes. Right. Um. Not cauliflower. No, I was about to <laughs> say. Really if you say cauliflower, right? If you were about to say cauliflower, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. No, that's no, really on okay. sliced roasted potatoes, very thinly sliced. You roast them with some salt and olive oil, and then you put little. Um, it's like almost like an appetizer. You put some of your pulled chicken, and you put it on top of the sliced potatoes, and you eat it. My mouth is really watering. You could do that with any chicken, any leftover chicken, any leftover chicken. Boiled chicken from the chicken soup. It's the best. What? And then it freezes really well. If you boiled all your chicken soup right. and you have tons of leftover chicken and really, you know, you can throw that leftover chicken, seeing we're talking about leftovers, into a, a Caesar salad okay. um, or you can make pulled chicken out of it. And if you don't want to serve it right away, just throw it in the freezer and it's a dinner for during the week. That's really smart. One minute, would you freeze it in the barbecue sauce? Yeah, yeah. You take the whole, it's all shredded up and, in a, and you've thrown it in. You can saute an onion into it also, but you, you know, saute the onion, throw in all the chicken, add a cup of barbecue sauces. How much as you want. That's a great idea. Mix it up and let it simmer in there for a little bit so That's it really comes apart. That's a really good – and the leftovers from that, so from the leftover, leftover, it makes a great wrap for the next day for hubby's lunch or and kids' you can, lunch. That's a fantastic idea. That's something I never would we have like, thought and of. And it's cheap. It's easy. Most people have barbecue sauce in the house. Right. Um, I get my barbecue sauce imported from Australia. Of course you do. I'm a barbecue sauce snob, so whenever someone comes, they bring me those Tim Tams that we spoke about with my daughter a few months ago. Do you see Barbie? I mean, like, is it like you're throwing it on the Barbie? Barbie, yeah, yeah, on the mm-hmm. Barbie, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I bring my, I bring my Australian catch, uh, my Australian barbecue sauce. A friend's coming from Australia tomorrow night, Gabriel oh. Berger, and he's bringing me. He's staying with us for the weekend, and he's bringing me Eater barbecue sauce because he's not allowed to come if he doesn't. That's right, that's and Tim right. Tams, yeah. So, so that's a really great recipe. Um, and then <laughs> if you have any any leftover meat, you can make also a stir fry with that. Also, so don't only think we're talking chicken. I you love got the I love the pulled chicken idea. Now, but can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Can you wait till Monday? I mean, like you have this leftover chicken, you serve it from so- Monday from when? From last. From so I'm saying time. you made the chicken. We're going back to the beginning. You made the chicken Friday. Friday. You okay. serve it Shabbos. You serve leftovers Sunday night. 
Is Monday morning too late to do the thing with the barbecue sauce and then put it in the freezer because it's already no. four days? Okay, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Ah, I wouldn't do that. You know, once once you're playing with a third time, trying to disguise something for the third time, we can give that up. Okay. I would only disguise something twice. Okay, so you're basically <laughs> taking some of your leftover chicken on Sunday, using some for dinner Sunday night, pulling it, doing the whole barbecue sauce, and you're putting it in the freezer also on Sunday. You could do that, okay. or you take the the leftovers from dinner and you make a sandwich the next day, right, for a family member. But otherwise, yeah, I, I wouldn't really re. I wouldn't. I would only do the freezing of the pulled barbecue chicken once you've like if you've got fresh chicken soup. Mm. Freezing that, okay. You know, once you've got it fresh, because at that point it's still fresh. It's not really a leftover. Um, in terms of like how many times it's been reheated. Got it. You've used it once in the chicken soup. You're using it now as pulled chicken. You can either eat it right away or freeze it right away. I'm trying to think of how many things I can do with this pulled chicken. That's fabulous. I'm serious. Lettuce cups. And brown rice. Put it in a lettuce. You know, Boston lettuce. um, You have all these recipes now for, you know, um, I can't, uh, beef in a cup. Mm -hmm. You've seen them in Chinese cookbooks. Yeah. So put them in that. And then that's also a nice little sandwich, low carb sandwich. Exactly. Or roll it up. (laughs) Yum. Uh-huh, there's the boy who doesn't feel... I know, I'm looking at the clock. I'm looking at the clock. Okay. We're running out of time. We are running out of time. So last minute thing. Give me one more comment. About food? Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'm really hungry. So. I know. And by the way, I'm in a better mood about cooking for Shabbos okay, than I was right, a couple minutes ago. You know what? Now it's exciting. You've always got to be excited about your food. And I know you can actually maybe, you know, you had a night off Wednesday night recovering. You know, maybe you took the kids out for that pizza That is the so word, by the way. That's the word. Recovering. Yeah, you gotta, you know, recover, regroup. Right? Let's call it regroup. You're regrouping. Pull out a new cookbook. Pull out an old cookbook. You know what? Every once in a while I take out Susie Fishbein's first book she did with the Kushner School, Kosher Palette. And even though it came out, I think, in the year 2000 or 1999, I'll take out that book and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't used this in a while. That's a great recipe. That's a great recipe. Go back to something that you hadn't made in a long time. Look through your recipe archive, so to speak, and try something old that's new again. Good idea. And I said, especially for the Shabbos, with all our fresh vegetables and our and our and our general bitterness. By the way, the next time you come on, we're going to talk about kale. Kale. I'm mm. obsessed with kale. Yeah, I love it with garlic. Oh Lots my gosh, we're going to talk about it next time. Anyway, the Aussie Gourmet. You can find Naomi at theaussiegourmet.com. Naomi, as always, a pleasure having Thank you, you on. <laughs> It was a blast. Yeah, we have a good time. And actually, I feel a lot better than I did about 20 minutes ago. And <laughs> that is completely honest. Anyway, you've been listening to That's Life from the home office of the Nachum Siegel Network here on the lovely Lower East Side. I'm Miriam L. Wallach. Thank you for joining me and making us part of your day. Let's go through today's lineup and the rest of the day so you know what to expect and what not to miss. I am proud to say that even two days after Yantif, we have a full Thursday lineup. Right after today, right after That's Life, Something to talk about with Randy Wartelski. Randy tackles different topics every week. Make sure to tune in or keep, I was about to say, or keep tuned in. Keep your computer on wherever you are, wherever you are streaming from. Make sure to listen in right after Randy at 5 p.m. The OU presents the Jewish Reaction with Rabbi Yaakov Glasser. Then immediately after that, the stunt show hosted this week by Daniel Gordon. We're at the top of our rotation with the stunt show. Guess who Daniel's having on? Randy. Randy Wartelski is joining him and Mrs. Stacy Siegel, rarely heard on the air. Figure out what Daniel, Randy, and Stacy all have in common, and it actually has nothing to do with the Nachum Siegel Network. Because as we say about the stunt show, you never know what you're going to get. The Thursday Night Extravaganza is on from 7 to 9, followed by an all-new presentation of the Book of Life 
with Charlie Harari in his new live slot. Then the day closes with an hour of Jewish soul from Charlie Bernhardt. Make sure to join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 a.m. as he hosts JM the AM live here on the stream at NachumSiegel.com and JMTheAM.org. Do not miss tomorrow night, Saturday, uh, I should say, Saturday night Siegel with Avrami on Matze Shabbos at 10 p.m. only on the stream. And as you know, JM Sunday with Matis Wine Guest is in full swing. Make sure to catch it Sundays from 7 to 9 only on the stream. And do not miss this week's show as Matis makes a seum. Please like his Facebook page as well as that of the stunt show and all our other programs. This show will be rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m. on NachumSiegel.com. Thanks to Avrami, my partner in crime today at That's Life. My thanks to Yaakov Hawk, to Jason Cohen, and to Naomi Nachman. I love when she comes down here because... She makes me smile with that funny accent. Anyway, I leave you today with Yishai Lapidot Shir HaChasidim. I played it last week when I covered for Nachum on JM and AM, and I haven't stopped playing it since. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Wenn Adorne wich nichts weg am Sere Trebes fern Kutelet Komare Gerin Sadmer Schatz in Stuhlen Holgosaron weg am Boyan Chassidim geoine Joilu Burun und Verabuno Alle Chassidim alle Alle Zadikim alle Alle Jedidim alle Weinat Halben Mord zusammen Alle Chassidim alle Alexander